0: That you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Litmer, and I am one of the overseers of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And lately I have been reading in the book of Exodus. And in it, we find the beginning of the account of one of the truly magnificent events in the history of mankind. The Exodus from Egypt by the Israelites, along with the wilderness wandering. It has been conservatively estimated that over two million people, along with their animals and other possessions, came forth from the land of the Pharaohs and were sustained by God in a barren desert area for a period of 40 years. In the third month after the Israelites had left Egypt, they came to the wilderness of Sinai And encamped in front of the mountain to await word from God. In preparation for receiving the law, Moses made three trips up the mountain. These trips are described in Exodus nineteen. The Lord directed Moses to take a challenge back to the people. The challenge is found in verses four through six of Exodus nineteen. That passage says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Moses went back and told the elders of the people the words of God's challenge to them speaking for the people the elders expressed their commitment to everything that god had said moses returned to the mountain with the answer of the people at this visit god indicated that when he spoke to moses a thick cloud would descend upon the mount and his glory would be thus concealed allowing the people to come close enough to hear his voice when he spoke with moses so moses returned to the people and spent the next two days consecrating them for the time when God would descend upon Sinai. The people washed their clothes, abstained from husband and wife relations, and restricted their movements. Mount Sinai itself was off limits. Anyone who came near to the mount, including animals, was to be stoned or shot through with arrows. Only when the ram's horn sounded was it safe for them to go up to the mountain, not on it, but up to it. On the morning of the third day, God descended upon Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning, a thick cloud, the exceeding loud sound of a trumpet, fire and smoke, and an earthquake. Moses led the trembling Israelites to the base of Mount Sinai. Moses was once again called up into the mount. And was instructed to bring Aaron as well. Moses returned to the camp and told the people what God had said. Exodus 20 is the account of God giving the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel audibly. They actually heard the voice of God. Look at the request of the people in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 19. It would certainly seem to indicate that the sound of God's Word had made a lasting permanent impression upon them. The verse tells us, Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourselves, and we will listen. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. Moses went back up to the thick cloud where God was for further instruction. This time Moses received the body of the laws, and before leaving the mount, he was directed to bring Aaron and his sons and the 70 elders of the people back to the mount. They were to worship God at a distance, yet much closer than the other Israelites had been permitted. But only Moses could approach the Lord. Moses went back to the people and reported all that God had said. He had written down all that he had been told, and the people responded with enthusiasm. In chapter 24, verse 7, we read, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. After this, Moses was called up once again into the mountain where he received a minutely detailed instructions concerning the building of the tabernacle from the Lord. He was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. An absolutely amazing scene unfolds in Exodus 32 while Moses was up upon the mount this time. Let's read the first 10 verses of Exodus 32. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took this from their hand and fashioned it with the graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, let me be alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. Such a short time removed from hearing the very voice of God and quaking with fear, the people of God were violating his laws, the very laws they had promised to obey. And they were turning away, not just from God, but to an idol. And I don't think it can be denied that they were being assisted in their apostasy by one of their religious leaders, Aaron. We can learn an awful lot from the people from these verses. For instance, people like gods that they can see. They came to Aaron and asked him to make a God that they could look at, visually see. It would be a God that could be carried before them, that is a visible image, a concrete image that they could follow as they made their way. They had come from Egypt after 430 years. A land that was replete with idolatrous gods of all sorts. They were used to gods of that nature. Since Moses was absent, they wanted a god like those that they had grown up used to. The more things changed, the more they stayed the same. Folks still seem to like gods that they can see. They will not call them gods, but that is the place that they seem to occupy. It might be a house, a car a yard, money. Why else would anyone forsake service to the Lord for something that is just going to perish with the using? People like things that they can see and feel, but our God, the true and living God, is not like that. In John chapter 4 verse 24, Jesus said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He is not physical in nature, although attributes of him can be seen in nature. But when it comes to seeing God, we cannot and we never will be able to do so this side of the grave. That is what makes our service to God challenging in many ways. We trust in something that we cannot see. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 tells us, For we walk by faith, not by sight. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus to Thomas in John chapter 20 verse 29. He said because you have seen me have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. I believe something else we can see from the reading in Exodus 32 is that people like gods that are fun. While Moses was with God learning what it means to be righteous, The people were down below looking for a God that would be fun to worship. Aaron declared a day of feasting and the people rose up to play. When you create your own God, I guess you can pretty much do whatever you want. If a person makes his own God, that God won't tell him or her not to do the things they want to do. Even today, people who claim to worship the true God pervert his worship and service to make it fun from their standpoint, from a worldly standpoint. Hence we see all the entertainment offered by churches in the name of spirituality. It is also apparent that people want gods who are easy. While God was telling Moses all the rules and regulations that were to govern the people, those same people were forging a God that would have no rules at all. The idol being created would not impose any moral obligations at all, or for that matter, any rules to be obeyed at all. If they didn't like something, they could change it. Such gods are easy to live with. The same goes on today. Even people who say they worship the God of the Bible want to change him so that he is easier for them to live with. Instead of accepting who and what he is and wants, they seek to ignore his revelations and come up with their own version of who and what he is. They decide what is good and what is evil. And then presume that God will accept their decisions. God told Moses what was happening down in the camp of the Israelites and Moses launched into an incredible incessory, 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 excuse me, prayer. Let's read verses 11 through 14 of Exodus 32. Then Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O Lord, Why does thine anger burn against thy people whom thou hast brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy burning anger and change thy mind about doing harm to thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou didst swear by thyself, And did say to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens. And all this land of which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants. And they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to this people. God was so angry with the Israelites. This people that he had chosen and done so much for. He was ready to start all over with Moses building a nation through him. But Moses interceded on behalf of the sinful people with God, pleading with God to be merciful. Let's briefly notice how such a powerful intercessory prayer unfolded. Moses acknowledged God's holiness. He did not make excuses for the people. He did not say that they shouldn't be held accountable. He acknowledged God's holiness. He knew how serious God is about righteousness. He would not pretend that the people were innocent. He would not defend their actions. He would not rationalize away their sins. There's a lesson to be learned there, by the way, when we go to God in prayer about those that we say we love. Anyway, when we pray to God, it is so important to always keep in mind and acknowledge his righteousness I think of 1st John chapter 1 and verse 5 that tells us and this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all when we go to God in prayer that is a truth that we need to keep in mind he is absolutely holy that is his nature and remembering that will help us approach him in a way that is right Another point to be learned from this marvelous intercessory prayer was the fact that Moses acknowledged God's actions. He reminded God of his history with the Israelites and went back to promises made hundreds of years before. He reminded the Lord of his work in leading the people out of Egypt over the last several months. He reminded God of his reputation, especially among the heathen. As Moses sought to intercede for the Israelites, he called attention to God's actions. This is still such a powerful tool in prayer. The apostles prayed in just such a way in Acts chapter 4 verse 23 and following, reminding God and each other of all that God had done in the death and resurrection of Jesus. A wonderful way to pray is to call on God with reminders of his promises and works. It helps us to keep in mind all that he has done and all that he can do. Moses also acknowledged God's mercy. He focused on this aspect of God. He did not excuse the sins of the people, but he depended upon God's grace to come through. Moses sought forgiveness and patience from God. This is not because God didn't or doesn't care about holiness, but because God is so merciful. Again, powerful prayers are built upon trusting in God's mercy. Remember the words of the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. He wrote, Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Like Moses, we should not hold back. We can boldly go into God's presence with prayer. To his throne of grace, to seek the mercy we desire and so much need. Mercy for ourselves and for others. How much love did Moses have for his people? God said, Moses, I will start over with you. I will build a nation from you and do away with his people. What an incredible statement of God's love and affection for Moses. But Moses interceded. God relented. And the rest is glorious history interesting things to think about. Thanks for listening.